welcome back to Basic Brain Heart, the show where we celebrate and interrogate creators of all stripes. I'm Hannah Camacho. Hey guys, welcome back. It's just been a couple weeks since our last episode dropped. We're off to a great start and it's our first interview of the whole year. Um, and we're starting it off on a super high note with artist Tim Kaminsky. Now, if you're not familiar with his work, stop what you're doing right now and go to his Instagram at random spirits. It is a treat for your eyeballs. You won't regret taking a peek. Um, Tim has got such an interesting backstory. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but let's just say it's incredibly unconventional. Um, so I loved hearing him describe not only his background, but how he uh, still found a way to do what he loves doing and has become very successful at doing. Um, and I, one thing I really especially appreciate about Tim is he has the heart of a teacher and a mentor, and he personally has benefited from uh, folks sort of walking with him through his art journey, and he has a heart to do the same. And um, he's always, you know, hopping on comments, answering people's questions, and is even actively looking at potentially starting a mentorship program to help people break into the industry. So, I mean, how cool is that? Um, but uh, if you have questions, comments, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I always love interacting with listeners, so feel free to drop me a line. Um, you can go to my website, hannahcamacho.com, or you can find me on Instagram at hannah underscore camacho. All right, I'm going to get out of the way. You're not here to hear me talk. So let's, uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with artist Tim Kaminsky. Tim, I am really excited to have you on the show today. We're kind of kicking the year off with this is our first interview of the year. So happy 2020. (laughs) I'm the first one of the year. That's awesome. That's right. We're we're starting it off with a bang. Um, I am really (laughs) particularly excited. Usually when I have a guest on, Um, I've been able to sort of already dive into their backstory to some degree, but it kind of kills a little bit of that magic and discovery. And so I don't know your full background. I feel like I have a a fairly good picture of what you're up to these days. But uh, before we dive into the juicy stuff uh, about your your backstory, um, can you tell the audience what you're up to these days if they're not familiar with your work already? Yeah, for sure. So right now I'm working at Wonderstorm and our we have the Dragon Prince out on Netflix. So I'm I'm art directing the game side of the, that. So we're building a game within the same universe. It'll have the same characters and worlds and everything like that. And so we're building a game within that universe. It's only been announced to like that degree. We haven't really talked about the specifics of the game yet. But yeah, that's that. That's super exciting. My daughter's a super fan of the Dragon Prince. So she's going to well, think then... that you're the coolest person in the world. <laughs> well, she sounds rad. <laughs> she is <Old> rad. <laughs> she is. She just turned 12. Oh, yeah, it's a good age for it. It though, is. Yeah. Totally. No, that's so cool. Um, I would love to rewind the clock and we'll get to all the juicy stuff that's going on these days. But um, let's go back to little baby Tim. Um, <laughs> tell us all about your backstory. Uh, so you were born and then what? And where were you born? Tell us all the juicy stuff. Okay, well, let's go in depth then. So I was born in Michigan into a pretty large family. At the time, I had three older brothers, uh, eventually we'll get to five of us, five boys. Uh, and I was born in Lachine, Michigan. And we started off, we were just living in like a small like trailer or whatever. And uh, I remember living there and kind of growing up. And then we built our own house off the side and sold the trailer. And at this time, we were kind of, uh, it's, it's a weird sort of like Old Testament style religion and pretty religious and really 
yeah, so it's kind of interesting stuff. So we didn't have we didn't celebrate birthdays or any sort of thing like that. We didn't have Christmas and all that type of stuff. Uh, so it was very very different upbringing than a lot of other people I would I would imagine, and it was mostly kosher, maybe like kosher taken to another level. So there's a few things that we would that I think are maybe considered okay to eat. Like we would we wouldn't eat mushrooms and things like that. I think some people that are kosher might eat those. I'm not positive of the rules there. So I grew up like really heavily kosher religious and uh my family uh, we we kind of like did a lot of stuff of our own we had a sawmill and we had a garden and everything like that and then we moved to a new town and it was smack dab in the middle of like a Amish community and my dad being a bit of a hippie that he is or that he was I guess he's passed away now but uh he he wanted to join the Amish. <laughs> wow. So was the, were you sort of in a form of Judaism previously or was it? A... Yeah, that's probably the closest thing you okay. could say is Old Testament. Wow. So it was, uh, you know, really kosher and, you know, celebrating the Sabbath, uh, fasting, waiting for sunup and sundown, kind of all those uh, tough things. Yeah, quite, quite hardcore. Uh, we also, we did this thing. It was like, there'd be a big meetup. And we'd go to Missouri, and that's where, like, the, the group meetup would be for this kind of culty situation, <laughs> this thing or whatever. <laughs> so we'd meet up there, and it'd be, like, this big camping event, and it would everyone would be outside in tents, and then you'd go meet in, like, this synagogue area or whatever. It was it was strange. It was That was, like, my my years from, I, from when I remember all the way up to probably around maybe, like, 10 eight or nine ten because that, that's kind of when it starts switching over to the amish stuff wow which dude. i had two, <laughs> two, <laughs> two you probably didn't expect this at all i, don't know. <laughs> I love it <laughs> i had uh two two of my older brothers i have three older brothers uh one of them was really in on the amish he's like this is cool i really like this and he took we had a tv he took the tv he put it in the basement he got rid of it he unplugged it and he liked tv the most out of the whole family wow so that was really strange to have that happen. So then from there, like they started getting baptized. We started learning their language. We started like going pretty deep on the Amish thing. And we were we got rid of like all of our tech and whatnot and didn't use our electric and got rid of the TV. And we became Amish for a number of years. I started going to Amish school, uh, which was the Amish school was a small it used to be a church. At one point, kind of like you close your eyes and you imagine like the standard steeple, small church. That's what it was. Wow. Like a bell now, was this in like Ohio or Pennsylvania or? This was in Michigan still. Okay. Oh, still so in Michigan. Wow. Yeah, okay. because there's, uh, I'm not sure if you follow the Amish much, but they basically, the way they work, or at least this is kind of what I've seen from being near communities and part of the community, like they'll have a disagreement and then they'll split off and make a new faction or whatever the Amish and then they'll have a disagreement and then they'll split it and they'll just keep splintering so there's just like little groups of Amish everywhere and they all have slightly different rules and regulations so it was uh first grade through eighth grade because they stopped teaching at eighth grade they only get an eighth grade education uh, I guess they're allowed to do that because they have some agreement or something with the state or I don't know what it is because it yeah so they only go up to eighth grade and the school there was uh, four grades on each side, and there was a curtain down the middle and two teachers, and that was the school. Holy smokes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. 
Now, how did uh, you feel? Sorry, not not to cut you off in the story, but how how were you doing during this time? Like, did you just kind of roll with it, like, hey, you know, whatever, or was it really difficult for you to sort of accept it? I'd love to hear a little bit about what was going on inside Tim's head. I at first, you know, I just accepted it. I to me, this was less strict than what I had already lived as, like my life up to this point. Like, the Amish sounds very strict as a religion and as kind of a a group or whatever, but the prior religion that we were in was far, far stricter. At least from my perspective. It, from an outside perspective, I think you wouldn't think so, but looking at it, it's like the, the Amish, they were basically just, they have doing everything very old school and you don't have cars. And that's like kind of, I guess there's more to it than that, but the, uh, ex, the extremeness of the religion prior to that was, you know, there, there was much more rules around what days you couldn't work and uh, many, many more food rules. Like the Amish have no dietary rules at all with religion. And they do have good food. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, <laughs> it's very uh, decadent, very, very decadent. Mm. And for as what I was thinking while I was there, at first it was more okay. And as I got older, I started kind of being like, ah, I don't know, this isn't really for me because, I mean, if you look at my work, I use a lot of tech. <laughs> so, <laughs> True. And I do work in the video game industry as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I wasn't born Amish or anything, but it's kind of like happened into it eventually for a while there. And two of my, my uh, oldest brothers, they both married into the Amish and they're one of them is still with his wife and they're not Amish anymore, but they, they're still together. The other brother, they ended up getting divorced and whatnot, but yeah. Wow. But them, you know, we have all, all left the Amish now. Okay. So eighth grade, you, you wrapped that up and, and then what happened? I mean, was that kind of where your education ended at that time? Well, actually I was a little bit younger. I was okay. only like eight or nine age. So oh, I gotcha. probably, or 10 or so okay. that was when I kind of started and I did the grades I did there. I forgot what grades it was. It was like, I feel like it was, uh, maybe second, third, fourth or third, fourth, fifth, something along those lines. So I, before that I was homeschooled. And so I went from homeschool to Amish school. And then after that, I was like, well, I want to teach or I'm not, I want to, I want to get a full education. So I started towards my GED and got a GED. Ooh. And then, yeah. That's that's really interesting. I love it. Now, <laughs> during during those childhood years, did you were you interested in art at all? Were you a doodler? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I uh I've drawn ever since I was really little. And I think that I was always drawing birds a lot. I was just like I had the uh Audubon book and I'd like look at those those bird drawings and paintings and I sometimes I'd copy from those like just looking at them as reference and I was always like I knew so many different bird names and everything because there's tons of birds in Michigan so I'd just go around and be like oh what's that it's like a sandpiper of some sort what specific one is it and I yeah. got really really into birds as I a love child. that I'm a sucker for a good bird <laughs> sketch <laughs> yeah That's it's funny I don't really draw, draw birds too much more oh yeah anymore. I guess I should get back into the birds <laughs> the birds are where it's at so yeah. when your parents it sounds like were pretty preoccupied especially your dad it sounds like with with religion and following this path when you look back on your childhood do you think there's something about it that sort of helped form or inform your current path and how you see life and, and approach the art world oh it's it's uh, affected my life and like I, i'm sure i'm a completely different person because of it i don't think i don't think you could live through that many like different kind of drastic religions or anything like and not be affected by it in some way and yeah i have it's 
I feel like it's uh, been a huge part of who I've become. I don't know if necessarily those the aspects of any of those religions have like stayed with me, but seeing the aspects of like it showed me what I parts of it that I didn't like and parts I did like. So like there was a lot of issues that I saw with it, and I think that kind of it tended to kind of push me away from religion in general. Yeah. But I don't know how how deep you want to get on this podcast. That's fair. <laughs> we can go. <laughs> hey, as as deep as you're comfortable. <laughs> no. no, that's that's really fascinating. And once you got your GED, I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, how you started to explore what your next steps might be. Should you go to you know something like art school or university? I'd love to hear about that part of your journey once you. We're ready yeah. to sort of go out into the world. Yeah, totally. So uh, when I got my GED, I actually went with my older brother, which he was, he's about, uh, he's like six years older than me because he hadn't, he had done uh, homeschool as well and didn't have like the proper paperwork or whatever. So we we're just like, oh, let's grab the GED and get that as kind of the proper paperwork because he had wanted to join the Air Force as well. Um, and for me, though, I, so I didn't even know you could work in the industry. I didn't know you could be an artist working on games. I didn't know you could do concept art. I didn't know anything. Imagine the blankest of blank slates of knowledge, and that was me. Maybe even less so than <laughs> blank. <laughs> there was, there was, well, there wasn't even really like a, uh, any sort of plan for higher education. No, no one else in my family had done it. Uh, I think my oldest brother had wanted to, but kind of got a little bit of pushback early on. And by the time it came to me, I was the fourth child. So it was just like, I, they were just kind of like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> I guess. And it was, they were like, yeah, I guess he's just going to do his thing because I always kept pushing forward for what I wanted. And But I didn't even know to go to the school until uh, I, was, I was working on the computer or whatever. And I think I was playing around with... I used to, I got like Unreal Tournament and I'd use the Unreal Editor from like 1998 and I'd open that up and I like rebuilt my whole house, scanned in all the textures, took pictures of like the floor and the tiles and recreated like had running water in the sinks and so you could go up and the sink would fill, you could shoot the windows out and I still remember showing my mom and I was like, oh, hey mom, come look, I look, I made her house. But I only had one spawn point and anyone familiar <laughs> with one spawn point and not turning off the bots in the level, there was like eight of them. It was just like Gibbs, just a blah, 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 because they're all spawning on top of each other. It was just like super gory. And my mom's like, I don't know if I like this. <laughs> but uh, see, I was doing that. And I think I even played around with Maya a little bit. And so this was like really early on. I was just into anything video games and I and even still like I'm looking at games I'm playing games and I still didn't realize that hey someone is back there working on these games someone <laughs> doesn't just magically pop into existence so uh one of my brother's friends or whatever was walking in the door and he's like oh you know you can go to school for that and I was like oh really and I was like oh okay and he had been going to like a community college nearby for drawing and up to this point, I had done like I was really getting into like 3D modeling, or at least starting to tip my dip my toe into that. And like I was really, really wanting to be a level editor, level design, or more of the map making part. So I guess it would have been environment artist would be the technical title. And but I didn't know that was a thing that existed. And I started going, so I started going to this community college, and they didn't have any kind of video game program. I don't think they even had like 3D or anything like that. They had Photoshop. And I remember, I remember a guy working on it, and he would like, 
he'd click save and just walk away for an hour or two to watch the document just save because it was just so, <laughs> so slow because it, to get the proper resolution oh, at the time, it, you just weren't doing it. It was it wouldn't work. Oh, snap. <laughs> really, really basic stuff. Yeah. So I, not really intentionally, but I sort of just abandoned digital altogether and I was doing a lot of traditional mm. drawing and I really got into doing like trompe-loys and really big charcoal, graphite portraits and things like that. But as I was going through the program, I started, maybe I didn't notice at this point, but later on I noticed that I was just basically recreating photos. So at that point I started, I wanted to be able to draw and paint from my mind. I got the idea that I was like, I'm tired of relying on photos. I want to be able to just create stuff from nothing. So I was like, I'm going to keep going to school. And I transferred to Northern Michigan University up in Marquette, Michigan. So that's the upper peninsula of Michigan. So you know, eight, 10 feet of snow or whatever, and horribly cold. I don't know why I went there, but that's where I ended up. I guess they're known for their like outdoorsy stuff, which if anyone knows me, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> not an outdoors person at all. <laughs> like, hold up. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a very perfect not, not mix match <laughs> or whatever. This <laughs> is terrible. Anyways, uh, I went to school there and uh, I was at this point, what was I trying to do? I think I, I kept being like, I want to get into concept art, but I didn't really know what that meant. And I just, I kind of was looking on like concept or art.org, which existed at that point, I believe, or it just started existing somewhere around then. I'm not really sure. Uh, and I started doing a lot of digital work, but my professor kept pushing back on me. He was like, no, no, it's not real art and stuff like that. And I was like, no, it's just different media. And yeah, I remember even like there's a an artist that works at Blizzard now, and he gave him the hardest time too. And he was one of my uh, one of the other uh, students there, and just brilliant, brilliant work. And then he's doing concept art on his computer, and then the teacher would just like shit all over it and be like, "No, it's not real." And then they'd have big arguments, and I'm like, "Why are you arguing with this guy? This guy's so good." The the student, and yeah, which is funny because he's on the uh, he's on the I think he's on the Overwatch cinematic team holy smokes yeah so yeah so apparently it didn't really matter once you sort of finished the program there what were your next steps i mean you're you're still in michigan probably thinking about hey can i can i make a career out of this here what, what were kind of your next steps beyond that point uh see so i was in michigan and i i was i was all gung-ho to be a concept artist but I didn't really, I still didn't really know what that looked like. My school didn't really help me on that at all. They just, they basically be like, he's doing concept art and let me do whatever I was doing. <laughs> so, and I don't think I was really doing concept art. I was just sort of like painting stuff sometimes. And it was just sort of like pictures. But after that, I moved to Chicago and I was trying to get a job as a concept artist. And I remember I even applied to, what was it, uh, High Voltage Studio? They had like a, they had a art test that they said it was my first art test I ever did, and they wanted me to design a character. It was going to be like a, for a pixel art game. I didn't know like what proper pixel art was at that point either. Like I didn't have like I did the test, but it, it was terrible. I actually showed it in a talk recently. I was like, "Here's my first art test." And I thought people would enjoy that because I failed. That's amazing. I need to watch that. <laughs> yeah. So I still have the art test. Uh, that's good to have. Were you terrified? Oh yeah, I didn't. I had no idea what like what they would even want from it like what it like, oh, no. any, like nothing yes. just i had no idea about anything i didn't know about pixel art i didn't know about character design my the school did not prepare me <laughs> 
at least I felt like it didn't prepare me in any way, shape, or form. So. Oh, man. And yet here you are. I love that. What did you do? I mean, since, you know, you felt like, hey, I failed this miserably. Were you super discouraged or were you just like, hey, listen, I, I'm just going to buckle down and, and try again somewhere else? What What kind of was going through your mind at that point? So I remember I was just like I was having such a hard time finding a job and I was in Chicago and there's really not too many game studios and doing that art test like I knew I failed like I could tell I was like there's definitely no way I get picked for this and so I was like okay I, I need to keep working on stuff and I was like but I need to get a job so I brought in my scope to inco- incorporate like graphic design and things like that and ended up finding a job at some uh, it was like a they sell they sell uh, portable massage tables, and I was their graphic designer. So I did pack design, website, like product uh, sheets and stuff like that. Gotcha. And I hated it. <laughs> I hated every minute. <laughs> but that of it. sounds I so riveting, it. Tim. I don't know why. Oh my you god, did. it was it was so terrible. Uh, so that that studio, or I was there, not studio, but I was there for three or four years, and. I about at that point I had I was just like fed up with it and I was I wanted to go back to school because I knew I was not in the place that I wanted to be. I knew I wasn't doing what I wanted to be doing and I also knew that I wanted to teach at some point. I always kind of enjoyed uh just like passing on information or knowledge. So I was like, you know what? I, and also my backup plan was I'll be able to teach when I'm older if my, you know, if I get carpal tunnel or something like that, I'm, I can still pass the information along. So my backup plan was get a master's degree to be able to teach at some point in the future if need be or if well, I want to. So it would be nice to do that at some point too. So that was the plan there and I'm still working at the other place as a graphic designer and I was starting to apply to Savannah College of Art and Design to get my master's. And like I applied, I sent the first portfolio, they accepted me. And they're like, hey, this is how much it would cost. And I was like, nope, that's way too much. And I was like, is there any way I can get this to lower? And they're like, you could submit another portfolio. And I was like, okay. So I made another portfolio and submitted it. And they're like, okay, we can give you like this amount. And I was like, that's better. I think I might have submitted three portfolios. I kept getting them to lower it a little bit. I got it down to a still insane cost, but uh, manageable to me, I suppose. I guess one thing. One thing I should point out too, uh, for other people out there that are thinking about like school and stuff like that, I I paid my own way. This is like my family is, or, but I grew up in poverty, <laughs> so like the amount of money that we had was always far far below uh, the poverty line. But we always had plenty of food because we had large garden things like that. We kind of self sustained in a lot of ways. But I paid my. I think I did have my mom sign one loan for I think it was nine hundred dollars, and I paid her back right away. <laughs> so wow, other, that's impressive. Other than that, I've kind of ever since I left the house, or I guess I was eight, eighteen or so, I've kind of paid my own way. That's incredible. And, I love yeah. it. So yeah, that's that's where I was up to that point, and so SCAD they accepted me, and I still had my job, but I. Uh, there was a little bit of friction at the job or whatever, and I remember my boss was like, he was telling me I had to stay late or something like that, or I should just always be around to be on his beck and call. And I was like, ah, oh, my core hours are these hours, and that's what I was hired for, so that's what I'm going to stick with. And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then he was leaving early one day, and I was like, oh. And I had already been accepted to SCAD and everything like that, so I was like, I'm going <laughs> to see if I can get myself fired. 
<laughs> so <laughs> so he was leaving early that day and i was like oh i better rush ahead of him and, and say goodbye to him so i was like hey bye have a good weekend and then he called me up that like sunday or whatever and he's like you're fired <laughs> i was like yes <laughs> so then i had fun employment all summer and i just focused on like building my portfolio a little bit more and just kind of mm. preparing for school getting everything lined up and yeah i had a great summer and just felt like I kind of explored a lot of things before I got to school. And then the next step was SCAD. That's amazing. I'd love, since we're talking about portfolios, I'm sure you get asked about that a lot. You know, a lot of young artists or maybe not even young age-wise, but experience-wise are always trying to figure out how do I create the portfolio? And it takes a lot of practice. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it sounds, you know, it sounds like during that time period, you just did a lot of portfolio development, and I'm sure over the years have learned some things. What do you usually pass on in terms of wisdom when it comes to developing a really good portfolio? Uh, the first thing I tell people is don't put stuff in your portfolio that you that you think other people want. Just build a portfolio that you want. Like build, fill the portfolio full of work that you want to do. Because if you fill it full of work you don't want to do, that's the work people will come to you for. Just like it's almost a hundred percent, it's some sort of weird law of the world where if you have, say, you have a hundred amazing pieces and you love doing them, there's one piece in there that you hate doing, and for some reason you include in your portfolio, that's what you'll get work in. <laughs> so, so yeah, and also I think, I think a lot of artists as they're kind of coming up and starting to learn art and just getting getting built up through that process, I think they forget that the great thing about art and the thing that people are looking for is like a, a unique view, a unique perspective, uh, a unique take on something. And that's so having a, something in your portfolio that's unique and it's it's not just standard, it stands out. Like you want stuff that catches people's eye, that gets people excited. Uh, so when building my portfolio, what I did, uh, I just filled it full of personal pieces, just chocked full of personal work. I just, if I, if I was worried that I needed to find a new job or something, or I need more work or something like that, and I want to get more promotion out there, I just start filling my portfolio with new pieces, get people excited about it. I want people to start drawing people into it. And yeah, that's basically how I built my portfolio was just continuously painting new paintings and updating it always. I see a lot of people where they have their portfolio and they just leave it dead for huge spans of time and they don't make new personal work and add to it. It's just sort of like they'll do a chunk of work and then you'll, you won't see them for like three years and then it'll be a new dump of work or whatever, which is fine, but it's nice to get some fresh pieces in there while yeah, you're going. Along. No kidding. I love the fact that you also... It seems like you develop quite a bit of personal work in your free time. I can only imagine, you know, you're you're um, doing art from, you know, dawn till dusk at your day job and you still yet <laughs> find time to do what, you know, create stuff that you want to create. Um, and I'd love to dive into just some, some fun questions around um, your, and I hate using this word, your creative process, because, <laughs> because that sounds so mystical, but um, just like practical stuff and, and you can share any anecdotes you'd like to, but... Um, the first question that I have is, um, I love that you mentioned a little earlier that you wanted to get to the point where you could draw from your imagination. And I love how imaginative your pieces are. 
Um, and I also love the fact that you do have that heart of a teacher and you love to pass on knowledge and, you know, people will ask you questions in your Instagram, uh, you know, uh, posts and, and you happily answer them and sort of help point people in the right direction. But drawing from imagination, when you are setting out and you have an idea for a piece, what does your process, for lack of a better term, look like nowadays, now that you've got lots of experience behind you? Uh, it's, I think it's an, let's see. Hmm. So things haven't actually like changed that much. I think the big difference between cool. like an experienced artist and like a non-experienced artist is literally just process. So what happens or what happened to me at least, and I think it happens a lot of artists is when you start making a piece, you look at it and you're like, okay, this is a big endeavor. Like how, how am I going to do this? Like if you look at it from that perspective, you'll yeah, you'll never be able to finish it. And it seems daunting and impossible. But the way I approach things is like very small chunks at a time. Like if I wanted to, if I'm doing a new environment concept that has kind of like one of my classic uh, monolithic shapes or whatever, my first stage is just making an interesting looking silhouette. So I'll just, and that doesn't even have to be in perspective. That could be, you know, I can use a symmetry tool. I could just paint half of it and then like flip flop it and just basically exploring uh, prominent shapes within that world, like exploring the shape language and things like that. And from there, the process is just sort of, I guess that's more of my process. I guess you're talking more about creative process. Either, either or works for me. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So I guess we'll talk about process a little bit and then go into the creative process a little bit more. I feel like there's a little bit of back and forth. Like it is a little bit of my creative process, mm -hmm. but also my process. Sure. Uh, but that also takes on many different processes because I do 3D and 2D and I'll jump back and Which forth on any different. Yeah, that you do both. Yeah, I know, oh, thank I you. know a Thanks. lot of great artists do, but still it blows my mind. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's becoming more and more common that yeah. people are using. I used to kind of hide my 3D because I, I guess I was a little bit embarrassed because I was like, oh, my perspective's not good, so I rely on 3D or whatever. But as I grew, I still built up my perspective and didn't let it wane off the back end. But for creative process, let me, let me try thinking about this again. Usually, I like to have a general world that I'm building in. So if I'm working on personal work, I, I don't just work blindly. I feel like if you're, it's impossible to create something in like the limitless availability of creation but if you're if you're given guidelines then it's surprisingly easy you can be like oh i just kind of work within this flow so what i do for my personal work is over the years i started developing different worlds that i like to work in and when i want to work on a new piece i'll just kind of jump into one of those worlds and then from there decide what type of piece i want to work on do i want a character a prop or environment and from there, it's kind of exploring what kind of stories I want to tell, what colors I want to use, what kind of shapes. And usually that just, it's a lot of exploration, finding reference, and uh, kind of calling back to things in my mind that I really enjoyed or something that maybe inspired me. And inspiration can come from anywhere, too. It could be uh, even just a lot of times I'll be, like, looking at my TV and there'll be, or the TV will be on, like, screensaver mode and there'll be just an image pop up of some photo or whatever and I'm like oh that composition's really cool or that has a, like a really unique color to it or something and I might mm -hmm. kind of log that away for a, a creative endeavor at some point to jump back onto. One thing that I, I found really interesting was the other day I know a lot of artists have been doing their glow up their 10-year glow up <laughs> yeah and I loved seeing your 10-year glow up um, because 
it's amazing, you know, to see um, people's journeys in, in a snapshot. Um, and I'm sure a question that you get from artists who are, you know, again, in, early in their journey is, I don't know how to find my voice or my style. I just, how do I get there? What do I do? And um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how your style and your your artistic voice has sort of come to be. Um, and uh, and what do you usually tell young artists when when they're struggling with that? I usually tell them not to get stuck on that. Don't focus on that. Mm. Like your your focus when you're a young artist, you want to do fundamentals. It's really hard though because as an artist, you want to create things, and fundamentals don't really seem like you're grueling, creating. Anything. Yes. <laughs> yes, they seem they grueling. So you got to find a way to make your fundamentals fun. But you also just have to make sure that you're not focusing on making final works necessarily. Like you should keep making them as you're going. But out of all the portfolios I've looked at, that's always the the first issue is people get too stuck on trying to make a final piece and never like focusing on the fundamentals. So they get kind of stuck in that loop where they're not actually learning anything. They just keep redoing it over and over again. So I just tell them not to focus on the like finding a style. If you're focused on finding something, you're not going to find it. It's it's almost like you know a lot of people in relationships they're like oh I just can't find the right one. And it's always you always hear oh I wasn't looking anymore and I found somebody type <laughs> <That's> thing. <true. laughs> so it's sort of along those lines is how I feel. Like your your voice and your your look and your drawing your style will come out naturally just through your learning process. Because everyone learns different, everyone approaches things differently, thinks about things differently. So just the natural form of that happening, you'll develop your own style. But if you want, you can you can kind of taper that style and change it. Uh, I know, uh, was it Proco? They talk about art parents, kind of choosing someone that you look at and respect and kind of want to uh, bring that into your work. And even if you just take like 25% of that and add it to whatever it is your process is, you've already that's unique right there. And so it's it's goes kind of back to the portfolio thing where I was talking about don't show me what I want to see, show me what you want to do, like have fun with it, do stuff that you really enjoy. I love that. Speaking of art parents, do you have any <laughs> that you would consider to be your art parents? Yeah, Nathan Falks is one of them. It's oh, like yes. you know, astounding, astounding art. Uh, like I could just there's tons of artists that I've never met that I'm just like, oh, they're so good. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Jeremy Fenske, he's really good, really he skilled. He is yeah. amazing. Yeah, and, I uh, met him I, at, uh, at Lightbox, okay. and I was just blown. I mean, I already loved his work, but oh. Amazing. Yeah, and I, I've, like, even just meeting him in the last little while, I've learned so much from him just watching his process and uh, hearing him talk about kind of the process of breaking things down into stages. And that's you just have to do that because it, most of us aren't that good at like approaching the whole thing it's just like taking it little step by little step and just learning that process is what people have a hard time doing i suppose i love your note about um sticking with the fundamentals and learning the fundamentals and as someone who didn't go to art school um i know that that for me for a while was like a big hang up and i still have so 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 far to go and so much to learn in the fundamentals but there's so much available online now in terms of, you know, you mentioned Proco, an incredible YouTube channel and other tools available oh, yeah. online. Is Are there usually um, courses that you point people in a particular direction or just really great mentors online that you like to point people to in terms of learning the fundamentals? Uh, I like there was a drawbox.com was a pretty good one there that I would point people to. Um, 
for like uh, compositional stuff, it's not so much fundamentals, I guess, but sure. uh, Framed Ink, uh, Marcus ah, Mateo's yes. Framed Ink is a really, really good one. Uh, James Gurney's Color and Light is another great one. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. I think, was it Scott? Scott Robertson has like a really good kind of perspective book and whatnot. For me, it's uh, just remembering like when you're working on your fundamentals and studies and things like that, make sure that you're you're not just like recreating or redrawing. You're actually like thinking and when you're taking a shape that you're looking at a reference or whatever and you're moving it over and drawing it on the page over here, don't just recreate it. You're you're trying to think of how it is completely constructed from the ground up, how it inner workings and things like that. Uh, for me for <laughs> for me, fundamentals is just a lot about just playing with your basic like cube, uh, sphere, and cones and whatnot, and just kind of if you can understand and spin those in sh in perspective, like if you basically just take that shape and spin it across your page any direction and shift it, that's all you really need to know, and then you can start applying, building new shapes inside that shape. So it's just really really important to get the basics down. That's brilliant. I love it. Um, Next question would be, your work is so otherworldly, at least the, you know, the work that you post on your Instagram, which I love. And also, I, you're such a great writer, which I, which is, is rare, oh. I think, with artists. <laughs> and I always love reading your stories. It's great um, to hear. Sorry. <laughs> you're like, what? Stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> um, and I love that you have the soul of a teacher, which we kind of talked about a little bit. And you're always uh, working to help others learn. But um, did you have any mentors? You know, we just talked about art parents, which usually we're learning from a distance, you know, through a book or a YouTube channel. Um, but was there anyone who kind of really uh, stands out that sort of stepped up and walked with you through your journey in person or otherwise? Um, there was one professor I had that I, I give like most of my credit to uh, from SCAD that I felt like her class was like the turning point for me as an artist, or at least as a concept artist, uh, it's uh, Mia Goodwin. Is She was a teacher at SCAD for a while, and she also is a writer, and she has comics, and just all-around wizard. <laughs> so, First off, she was very, very direct and very open with the students. She was basically, we got up there, and she basically said that, you know, grade's not that important. It's the work you put into it is what you'll get out of it. If you want to be successful, you have to work your butt off, basically. And uh, the other thing was the way she presented her class, her material, and the way she talked about her material. She clearly had experience. She had done this job before. Uh, it seemed like there's a lot of teachers where they they uh, they don't get the experience outside and then bring it to you, so they don't really really don't know what they're talking about. And it felt like I had a lot of professors that just didn't know what they were talking about. Or they they would know like the art aspect, but they didn't really know the back end, or they didn't actually have experience in the industry, so they didn't quite understand it. And she clearly did. Uh, and she was also very upfront with us just about uh, the requirements of the class. And like she's like, you get an A. I don't care if you do all the work or not. <laughs> You're probably just gonna get an A either way. And <laughs> You're only hurting yourself if you don't. And so then also the way she presented her material was it was themed. So we started the class. It's like, okay, we've got this. We're going to do the Hansel and Gretel story. It's as a game. So now we're converting everything over. It's all candy themed and you have candy weapons and all that type of thing. And the class requirements were character design, environments, props, weapons, wow. icons, menu, yeah. just everything in a game art-wise, just the entire thing. 
I ended up with like a 50 page book. Wow. <laughs> so, that's incredible. And, that, and that's, that's quarters, not semesters. So it was even less time. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. That's like, you feel, probably come out of that feeling like, okay, I think I'm kind of ready now. <laughs> yeah. Ready for it, that it, art it, test. Like, yeah, exactly. Like it, not only did you just get that bulk of the work, work and the iteration and working with like some, uh, a bunch of other artists as well but it also you had like just a nice outcome <laughs> and you just a broad experience of the whole thing i felt like i got to dive into every each area to a decent degree go me and actually yeah <laughs> yeah and i still stay in contact with her I actually just talked to her today that's so, <laughs> so cool yeah oh, i love it thanks uh, for sharing i was super curious like what she kind of did and it just sounds like that sounds incredibly practical and amazing wow Love it. Yeah, and that portfolio that I put together, that's actually what landed my job because it was just, you know, I, I was in like a, they had like a career fair or whatever and they asked to see my work and I was like, here you go. And they're like, do you have any more? And I was like, yes, here's another book. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's yeah. incredible. So what was the first job you landed right out of school there? Right out of school, I got a job at Kiz Studios. Was, they do mobile games, um, and I got a job as environment artist. They were originally going at, they were looking for a character artist, but when they saw my portfolio, it was chocked full of environments. So they decided to have their current. They had one concept artist on staff, and they kept him on characters, and then they put me on an uh, environment. And then so. I, I was there for about four or five years, three or five years, something like that, and ended up doing like smart direction and stuff as well, and worked with like you know, the texture artists and the modelers, and I started picking up a little bit of 3D, and I'd kind of talk to the modelers and be like, oh, hey, how do you do this and stuff like that, and I would start, I started concepting using 3D a lot more at that point, so I'd do like a block mesh and just paint over it and then give the, the artist the block mesh plus the concept so they had a general idea for sizing and so you wouldn't have to do turnarounds and things like that. That's super cool. Was there something when you first joined the industry, were you surprised by anything or did it not quite feel like you thought it would feel? Was there anything that caught you off guard about working in the industry? Uh, well, the, stu <laughs> the studio is I, that I was at always felt a little bit odd. So I don't know if it was like a good comparison <laughs> as the standard. True. True. So <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to really give a direct answer That's for fair. that. I would. I was always, we were always kind of like, where's the funding coming from for this studio? Because mm, it seemed like yeah. they weren't very successful. Gotcha. But, uh, and it yeah, can be, so it, yeah, it, studios grow and shrink all the time. So there's probably that in, that feeling of instability. Yeah, it was, we would talk like the entire time I was there, it was always like, oh, when are they going to shut down type of situation? <laughs> What's our uh, backup plan? <laughs> And, and that's like as as I saw that growing and those those uh, the shutdown happening or coming on mm. sooner, I was like, oh, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna prepare myself. I've always I with my art, my portfolio, and kind of my approach to my portfolio, I've always kind of I hate applying to places. So my idea was that I would just basically get my work far enough out on the internet that I wouldn't have to apply and people could come to me. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's brilliant that was my that was my plan so <laughs> did it work I out was, that way <laughs> it did yeah that's awesome i love <laughs> yeah. it uh, yeah and i just kept filling my my portfolio with personal work and it, that worked that's brilliant um uh, you've kind of yeah, the, oh go for it sorry, oh, sorry. Go ahead. i was just gonna say the the tail end of that studio it, it did shut down and when it shut down 
I was really surprised because all my coworkers were all like freaking out and they're like, Oh, shut, the place is shutting down. I was like, didn't, didn't we talk about yeah. this for like years? <laughs> on, we, Everyone we, knew about this. We were ready for this, right? <laughs> and I like smoothly transitioned to freelance because I had like, while I was there, I was like, Oh, writing's on the wall. They're going to be shutting down pretty soon. Like I could tell, like there was like a, an evolution of it and I could tell it was getting really close and I was like, okay, okay. And I started doing like Twitch streams and painting online and uh, just started like trying to get freelance started up on the back end. So, <laughs> so I'd have some, and it, it was actually like the smoothest transition ever. It was, it was almost intentional seeming it worked out so well. And it probably, I think a lot of folks when they were working their day job, they don't necessarily want to put in the hours after hours to plan, you know, backup plan or build, relationships and so go you brilliant yeah, that's that's actually a little tangent here just to portfolios you asked you'd asked some questions earlier and that's actually the thing i see the most is you see students they get their portfolio they finish school and then that's the portfolio they use to apply to jobs like they don't they don't keep working on it they don't add new things to it and out of all the work I've ever seen, like the work you do in school is usually it's not very good. Like yeah. I don't <laughs> most people's work from Gotta school. Gotta get all is, that bad stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's all it's all learning work. You've yeah. you've been learning this whole time. Like I'm sure there's people that have great stuff or not that it's good. But, but they're the exception. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're the exception to the rule. Like I know when I got out of school my work was it was shit. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe oh, not the, the master's degree was a little bit better, but even then, like the work I did after that was just far and away better than anything I had done. So my next question is, um, as a creative, I'm sure you can identify with the restless nature of many creatives. Not not every creative is, is the same, obviously, but um, there's kind of that, that general restlessness that a lot of cre creators feel or creatives feel. Um, how have you managed to harness that restlessness um, and use it for good and growth even when your journey might feel discouraging or lacks some clarity? Or have you always had some clarity and you've just gone for it? I wouldn't say I've had clarity, but uh, <laughs> I, I've always kind of just gone for it. it. I, don't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know about clarity, but uh, but I am I am restless in the sense of creation. And for me, restlessness, I'm not sure if, it, if, if everyone has this kind of form or feeling of restlessness. For me, it takes the form of guilt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is kind of weird. Feel guilty about not like, creating something. If I'm not creating something, I mm. literally feel guilty. Like it's just like yeah. I feel like it's a weird mix of it. The guilt kind of shifts too, though. Like if I'm doing a lot of work, like I don't feel any guilt at all. It's and I feel like really, really like enthusiastic and encouraged and just like really energized by doing work. And if I don't do work, I kind of feel like I'm like, oh, I should be doing work. And I start feeling guilty that I'm not doing work. And it's not, it's a different kind of guilt. It's kind of weird. It's almost like it's, I don't know if I've just tricked myself by putting guilt behind me and using that as kind of like an encouragement to do art. I I do just like, I just like working on art continuously. Uh, the other day, um, I, I realized I'm a workaholic. <laughs> so I, I had for up until this point, I guess, 15, 20, whatever years I had been just like, Oh, it's art. So it's not work. Uh. It's, you know, so I kind of put myself in that or I'd be like, Oh, I'm learning. It's not work. This That's is education. Right. So I always sort of twist it a little bit in my mind so that it's not work. <laughs> Maybe that helps. It's all in how you frame it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I also really, really enjoy learning. Mm. So a lot of times, uh, a lot of my work will come out of learning where it's, I've kind of jumped in. I recently picked up Blender when 2.8 came out. I was like, okay, it's time. And I picked it up at work. I was just like, I'm going to learn Blender while I'm working. But I had a goal and like a goal for learning. So they kind of went hand in hand. And I just really enjoy being thrown in kind of the deep end of a program or a new tool or a new a new challenge for me to face and kind of like figuring out how to tackle it, how to break it down into digestible segments. And I think that's the thing a lot of artists don't really think about or like newer artists, they don't realize that it's about developing ways of approaching things. It's not necessarily always just about making a pretty picture. It's about breaking things down, how to approach it, what's what are the steps and stages you need to do to kind of make that doable. Um, that actually is a great segue into the next question, which is, first of all, when I'm going to, you know, different folks, let's say Instagram, um, you know, great artists, it, it never ceases to amaze me how many of the comments are things like, what tools did you use for this? And what brushes <laughs> did you use to create this? Um, because we all know it's not about the tools. It's really about the craftsmen or craftswoman that created it. And it's not the tools that make the difference so much. But I'd love to hear about any of your favorite art tools or programs that you're vibing on lately. Uh, I've been using Blender a lot Uh Tons, tons and tons of Blender. I use, I really, really enjoy Blender. I've been, I basically, like at work, I'll do 3D concepting in Blender and I'll just block out the entire thing in 3D and then do some quick, like real time uh, rendering EV lighting or whatever because I'm impatient and I don't want to do a render. <laughs> so I like <laughs> that fair. aspect of it as well. <laughs> uh, some other tools, let's see. I, I got into Krita recently for a very specific reason. That's a, like a painting drawing program. It has a really, really nice uh, uh, wrapping mode, which so you can, if you want to do like a tiling texture, it's really fun to do that in there because you can just draw it out and see your lines kind of draw out into infinity so you can see like the pattern and it'll automatically wrap it across. So that's, that's one I've been using a decent amount. Uh, I've been really into Procreate lately and just making brushes. Uh, last few days, I've been really, really vibing on making brushes, which I've never done before. I, I mean, I've made brushes, but it's always been like, I, I need a cube brush and I just make the cube brush and then that's all I'd use for everything. There's a little <laughs> so. brush studio thing now where you can see the, oh, it's incredible. You yeah, can it's see nice the live changes. The yeah, and you I'm can like it. draw the stroke that you want to do and then you're updating your brush and you it's get incredible. to see the changes. It's yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, it works so I've been some doing black magic that. with that. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really like the changes they've done with that. I'm totally. To think if there's any like otter programs. I know I, I was using 3D coat quite a bit for a while to do like, uh, like a lot of like, uh, temple type structures and buildings where I do a lot of symmetry. But I can do a lot of that in Blender now. Mostly I've switched almost everything over to Blender. Yeah. So that's my, that's my current, current cool, cool thing. Yeah. Blender and Procreate. All right. So Noted. Infinite Painter is pretty good too. For uh, has a lot of cool perspective tools and some some interesting additions that uh, Procreate doesn't have. That's awesome. Good to know. All right. I've, I feel like I've I've got to dive into some some more tools now. That's awesome. Um, all right. Next question would be: You are an art mentor, really. I mean, whether it's you know answering people's questions on Instagram or otherwise. Um, I'd love to talk about common themes you see in your mentees uh, and the hangups that many aspiring artists have and how you help them work through those hangups. Okay. Um, so I, I touched on a little bit. Yeah. I think fundamentals are obviously the first one. And it's, 
I had people telling me when I was younger, it's like, do the fundamentals. And I, I did to a degree, but I also like, there was areas that I was afraid of or scared of. Uh, and I just kind of, I avoided it. Uh, so I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't face my fear and it further developed it and made it worse. So if you have an issue, if there's something that you're afraid to draw, just start drawing it. Like there's, there's no like wrong answer to it. And actually there was a, an artist, an artist that I really respect and uh, had like really the best advice I've heard in a long time. Uh, it was John Navarez, 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 I think. Yeah. Sounds good yeah. to me. Yeah, he's a character <laughs> artist on. Uh, well, he's a character artist on. Uh, was he on Coco and Cars? Okay, yeah. Uh, was it, there's a, a few. Oh, he's Inside Out and stuff like that. He said, like this was within the last year. He said, yeah, I've heard him say this, and it, it just like it ch- it changed my life. <laughs> he said, uh, uh, don't draw in fear, draw fearlessly. So that that helped me so much because. I, I, man, there's, there's, there's things that I struggle with for drawing. Like I, uh, people and characters, like I'm really, I'm pretty good at environments, but characters and whatnot, I'm just, I don't have that much confidence in those. So I, like I have the eye for it. I can see what's wrong, see what needs to be corrected. So I can direct someone for it for sure. But doing it myself, I just can't, like my, I start getting too focused up on, sorry, get in your own head and I start fearing it. And that is, that is the killer right there. You don't want you don't want to be sitting in fear. So it's like that to draw fearlessly, just like to have fun, to find that fun drawing again. Like even if you're learning something and tackling something you've never done before, that's just impossible to do. Don't focus on that. Focus on like that you're learning, you're approaching this. You're you can't be expected to know everything. All of us start as blank slates and we have to learn things. It's weird that learning has kind of been putting in the like if you don't know something, it's like oh. It's terrible, but no, it's great. It's, you have opportunity to ask a question. Ask that question. Be that person that <laughs> asks the question when like, you're standing in a circle and someone's talking about something and you don't know what they're talking about. Be like, oh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Could you explain that? And as like a student, that's the mindset you should have. Like you always want it. You should be willing to put yourself in a situation where you you let other people know that you don't know something. And that's brilliant. And it's it, the chances are half the people in the circle didn't know either, but they were afraid to speak up. That <laughs> exactly. Awesome. It's usually half or more. Like <laughs> most of the people true. know what's going on. And <laughs> and so many people are afraid to say something. It's sort of like when you have like uh I don't know, spinach in your teeth or something. I'll mm. always point it out to you yes. because I, I feel like it's it's so awkward. You're but you a have true to friend. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that's that's something you have to remember to to approach that and it's just yeah like i said too just make sure that your your portfolio you're filling it with stuff that you want to do stuff you're passionate about because people will pick up on that like you can tell when a project that you've done is just sort of like ah oh, that's clearly you weren't passionate about that it's kind of <laughs> mediocre looking so it's pretty obvious that's really good advice i love it very cool. All right. So speaking of mentorship, I know one of the first things as we just started to kind of chat a bit on Instagram was a little bit about a mentorship program that you're looking to start. I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of what you have in mind and, and what your plan is uh, for that. Okay. Well, I don't have like specific, specific plans, but I have been thinking about this for a number of years. I would like to create a mentorship to kind of... um to be able to bring uh, more diversity into the gaming industry, I feel like it's hard to get into just because it's you, know, you don't know the answers, you don't know what's out there, 
And also, it seems like there's a lot of studios that just aren't approachable for a lot of people because it's just run by a lot of dudes. And I am a dude, but I feel like maybe I can help people get into the industry. So maybe I can bring diversity. I, I, you have to have that because if you don't have the voices in the room, then there's no way that you're representing or doing a proper representation with your media because you can try to you know think about something from every perspective possible but without someone that has like that real like connection to it and real true understanding of that past and they've they've lived through it they understand like that you need to have that there and i would i would i don't not sure how or what form it would take but i would love to be a mentor or try starting some sort of mentorship where I could help people get into industry and help people build their confidence up and just help guide them to where they want to go with their careers. Uh, I feel like art, art's this thing that's, it's been passed on for thousands of years and we have a chance to like be the chain and the, the, the link in the chain and pass it on to someone else. And I think that's really exciting. And this, this whole new, uh, career field like it's still pretty new it's only like what 30 years old or so 40 years and it's still like really really young and it would be nice to hopefully bring this uh career field into a a position so that anyone could go into it and feel comfortable at any studio that they're at and have a be able to have a really uh, fulfilling career i dig it dude when you're ready to for people to start contacting you let me know and we'll share it out on the pod yeah, and if people have suggestions or ideas on helping or if someone wants to help me kind of get it started, I'm fine with talking to people too. Awesome. I'm, I'm not sure what it will take yet. I don't yeah, have very much time as well, but <laughs> I, <true. laughs> I feel like I have enough energy to kind of get that started and at least get, get things going in the right direction. That's I think so cool. that would be important to do. I dig it, man. That's rad. Um, so we're almost to the end here, and I want to be respectful of your time. Um, but just for fun, um, when you want to consume art, do you have any favorite TV shows, movies, books, games, anything that you found really uh, cool or inspiring lately? Uh, a favorite TV show right now is uh, What We Do in the Shadows or What They Do in the Shadows. What is Ooh. it called? Let me, let me Let me double check what the name is. Yeah, what we do in the shadows, the Sweet. TV show. Well, there's a movie, a movie for it as well. It's uh, it's quite funny. I like it a lot. Ah, do you um, know, is it on a, a particular network? It is on Hulu. Very cool. I'm gonna have to give it a. And it has, a I think it's like uh, Taiko Watiti is part of it, as well as like the a lot of the creators from like Fly the Concords and stuff. So Sweet. it's it's a yeah, it's cool. It's a good one. Definitely. Right. Definitely recommend that. We'll have to check it out. Well, Tim, we've come to just about the end here. Um, you've made it out alive. <laughs> Before we close out, is there anything you'd like to plug? Where can people find you? Where can they get in touch with you? Anything you want to share? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Random Spirits and on ArtStation, just slash Tim. <laughs> it's my username, so pretty Ooh. easy to find them there. <laughs> yeah, right. Early, early adapter. No uh, kidding. And then also just timkaminski.com. You can find me that way as well. Uh, I don't have a specific thing to plug right now. I have some things that I I have things that I'm working on that you can look forward in the future. Uh, I want to have an art book at some point. I might be getting back into doing tutorials, and I might be starting a Patreon again. These are all kind of in the works, and depends on how much time I can find as far as free time. But uh, I have been starting getting into tutorials and whatnot. And I feel like I've, over the last few years, I haven't really done any 
too many tutorials are streaming, and I feel like I have a lot of new information that I want to pass on. And check out The Dragon Prince on Netflix. The third season just came That's out. It's awesome. really good. All right, well, stay tuned for that. Well, Tim, this has been amazing. So lovely. Thank you so much for spending an evening with me. Yeah, of course. It's been great. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, that is a wrap. 